0: That is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham, and we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Bawati as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Yeah, welcome to tonight's service. I want us to share with a friend prayer, and then we'll start. All the wonderful things that God has to share with us this evening Father thank you for this blessed evening Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who is here with us To teach us, to guide us Thank you that we have great understanding Thank you for instruction in righteousness Thank you that our hearts and our minds are glued to your way And you cause us to have great understanding concerning sending your word in the name of the Lord Jesus Thank you for fruits, for grace, for glory for all of us Even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. It's a blessing to come your way once again. This wonderful Wednesday evening. And uh, on Sunday we began by sharing concerning three things you need to know to expect. Right? What was the title? Three reasons you need to know. Three reasons why we need to expect. The Lord's coming, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord, and we shared so many things on it tonight. I want to conclude just a little bit on the last point. I think the first point to mention was that we should expect His coming because He's coming as well. Do you remember? It's prophesied of in the Scriptures more than his first coming. So many Scriptures, and I mentioned eight thousand Scriptures, isn't it? There's actually thousand eight hundred Scriptures, not eight thousand. Thousand eight hundred Scriptures. In the Old Testament and over 300 scriptures in the new so many scriptures you know and we said so many things about that then the next thing we mentioned was that we should expect him because our expectation of him is a proof of our love for him hallelujah do you love the Lord then you'd want him to come Maranatha isn't it Lord come come Lord he wants to be desired the more we desire him, the more he comes. Hallelujah. Then the point three the next point we mentioned, that was the third point, was that it is the only hope. The expectation of our our, our Lord's coming is the only hope of the church. It's the only hope of the church. The way hope is defined in the Bible is not the same way as it is defined in a dictionary. You know, the dictionary is also I hope. Something is going to happen. I hope that will. I hope he's going. I hope I pass my exam. I hope I get the job. I hope I get that's not how hope is, is used in the scriptures. In the scriptures, hope uh, the word hope is help is in the Greek and it means a confidence assurance of something occurring. Do you see? Huh. So there's, there's a confident assurance that we have of Christ coming. Hallelujah. And that hope. Um, that's something for us, isn't it? Yeah. That hope makes us know that at coming this body of ours will be turned, will be changed. It is time for our final salvation. You know, and I mentioned our salvation was in three phases. The first phase has already happened through faith. The second phase is happening through love. And the third phase is going to happen through our hope. Our hope in his coming hallelujah. hallelujah and we said so many things the last time so I just want to conclude just a little bit on the hope and then we'll, we'll go to what we want to share with you this evening hallelujah. hallelujah so like I said his hope his coming is the hope of the church isn't it His coming is the hope of the church and uh, what it means is that no matter what is going on if you remember I mentioned in Hebrews chapter six, uh, verse 20, 18 to twenty, that the hope. Let's read it. I think we should start from the Hebrews six, eighteen to twenty. It says that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled to, for fled for refuge, to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Then it says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, wow, then he says, whether the forerunner is for us entered, who is the forerunner, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So he's saying that there's something that this particular hope does for you if you, it 's an anchor for your soul. In this boisterous raging world. No matter what is happening in the world. You must believe and have hope. That it is not the end. You have a hope in Christ. That even if you should die. You know like I was saying the last time. This is what the saints of old believed so strongly in. So it didn't matter what they were going through. Made no difference to them. They knew that this this body shall be resurrected one day. Jesus said, Fear those do not fear the one who can kill the body. But fear the one who can both destroy the body and the soul in hell. Hallelujah. So no matter what you're going through, don't worry. There's a hope of resurrection on that day. Hallelujah. So in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul said some things. You know, and I just want to show you some of these things so that no matter what you're going through, you learn to rejoice. He says, knowing that. He which raised up the Lord shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Have you seen it? Yeah. Verse 15. Then it says for all things that we are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Wow. Next verse. For which cause we faint not. Then it says, But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Wow. I don't know if you are catching what I'm reading to you. Next verse, verse 17. says, For our light affliction, He calls every single affliction you can go through here on earth as light. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal says, this present affliction is, is light, is light as compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. For our light affliction, verse seventeen, Second Corinthians 4, 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So no matter what, no what you are going through, it is working for you. It is temporal and it is working for you for an eternal weight of glory. So don't look at the things that you're going through now. He says, Well, we look not at the things which are, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You may not see the Lord today, but that is eternity. That is eternal. Hallelujah. I don't know if you can understand what I'm trying to say. You know, so Paul said all these things to, to the church, the body of Christ, that no matter what you're going through, the going church was suffering, but then he said, Hey, it's working for your good. It's working for your good. Maybe your earthly lot has not been so great. Maybe uh, you are going through some form of persecution and all of that. Makes no difference. Rejoice. There's a hope for you. Anchor your soul on that hope, so that no matter what happens, you still journey on in life. You know, Paul who said this had actually gone through so much. Okay, Paul said this particular thing after. He had gone through so many wild sufferings, so many interesting things. Look at Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-two to thirty-three. He says, "Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I." Next verse: "Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure, in prisons, more frequent in deaths, often." Of the Jews, five times received thy forty stripes, save one the guy suffered thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck and night and a day. I have been in the deep. Do you understand the deep? The deep is the, the sea in the middle of the sea. Wow, then it says in journeys, often in perils of water. In perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that I was done, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Next verse. Then he says, who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I bear not. Hey. If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern, concern my infirmities. Next verse. Since the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed for evermore, knoweth that I lie not. Next verse. In Damascus, the governor and the the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with the garrison, desires to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Wow! It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Brother, there is nothing you are going... I don't think you, are, you have suffered as much as Paul has. Paul suffered. Yet Paul said that he called all this light affliction. Why? Because his hope, his soul was anchored in the hope of our the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That makes you excited in respect of what is going on around you. Do you see? So... He says, I died three times. Yeah. He died on different occasions. Someone says, Oh, I'm suffering so much. My suffering is above Job's suffering. Did you do you know do you know how Job suffered? Because you didn't get any meal to eat one night. You are complaining, brother. There's a there's a glory. You should, it's in your own interest to even suffer for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! So don't be afraid, okay? Don't be afraid. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. You know, in Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse three to verse ten, you know, Paul Paul was writing to the Thessalonian church, and he said some very interesting things over there. Second Thessalonians chapter three, chapter one, from verse three, I want us to read it. He says, "We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because of because that your faith groweth exceedingly." And the love of every, the charity is love, and the love of every one of you, all toward each other, abounded, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. So these guys were going through all kinds of things, persecutions. You see, all kinds of things. Go back, go back to verse four. All your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Wow. Next verse, verse 5. Which is a manifest, your persecutions and your tribulations that you are enduring is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. This is another, um, hopefully, we are going to get to that, that aspect. Jesus spoke about the cup that he will drink of and the baptism that he shall be baptized of. Do you see? There's, it's called the cup of suffering and the baptism into 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 uh, 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 into his suffering. You know, Paul said, if the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, uh, for tomorrow we die. Then he, sp- he spoke and said that, if for nothing I fought beasts at Ephesus and all of that, then it's, it's, it doesn't get me anything. It's a waste of time. You know, he went through so many things. There are people who have gone through so many things for the Lord because of the Lord, you see, and have not given up. So he says that your sufferings, your tribulation is light, and it is an evident token of the righteousness of God. <laughs> it says, from verse 5, it says, Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. The Bible says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. Here, let's go on, verse 6. Then it says, seeing it is ra- it is a righteous thing with God, to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. It is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. All those who are troubling the church at that time. You know, Nero Emperor Nero was burning them at the stake. Constantine was all kinds of things happened to many Christians during that time. He says that it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Verse 7. And to you who are troubled, it says, Rest with us. Meaning that Paul, even though Paul is going through so many things, he was at rest. He says, Those of you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Hey! Next verse. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you seen it? So he's not saying, he's not, he, he says that he will be coming to judge all those who do not know God. Not those who know God and even are uh, even being persecuted. It says, don't worry about your persecution and tribulation. Don't worry about it. Rest with us. Rest in the glory. In the future glory. In what is coming. In the hope of glory that is coming. Rest with us. Because when he comes, he's going to judge the whole world. He says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that obey, that know not God. That's verse 8. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. All those who know, obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. They shall be punished. They, not us. Verse 10. When He shall come to be glorified in His saints. So on that day when He comes, He will be glorified in His saints, in you and I. The others will have, He will take vengeance on them, on those who are outside of the house of God, those who are outside of the church. But those of us who are inside, of the church, those of us who have believed in him, he says that when he shall come, he will be glorified in this in the saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day hallelujah. hallelujah! So we are on two different platforms altogether. I was trying to share this with you la- the last time. We are not on the same platform at all, we are different. Say, I'm different. I'm different. Say it again, I'm different. I'm, different. I'm special. I'm, special. I'm, on different I'm on a different platform. He takes vengeance on them and He is glorified in us. It is when Christ who is our life, shall be revealed. Since then shall we also be revealed on that day. Hallelujah. So this hope is an anchor. Okay? Anchor your soul on this hope. Knowing that on that day you are going to be with him in glory. Hallelujah. Paul said Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because Christ is in you. If you're born again, that's it. If Christ is in you, that's it. It Says that if you do not have the spirit of Christ, says you are none of his. So if you have the spirit of Christ through the new birth, through the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit. You see, if so long as you're born again, you are part, you are qualified. I'll talk about some of these things as we go on. Hallelujah. So this hope, apart from giving us, you know. All the joy that we need, irrespective of our sufferings that we are going through, it also gives. It also purifies us. This hope purifies us. Do you see this hope of His coming purifies us? So, First John three, from verse one, He says, "Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God." Therefore, the world knew us not, because it knew Him not. Then He says, Belo- "Beloved, now are we the sons of God." And it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know we know but we know that when he shall appear on that day when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is we shall be like he didn't say some of us said we shall be like it for we shall see him as he is hallelujah then verse 3 says and every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure and every man that has this hope in him this hope in him in Christ purifies himself even as he is pure so this particular revelation of as the expectation of our Lord Jesus Christ and the hope of our resurrection answers the purification problem in Christians hallelujah if you are expecting him you will live for him if you are expecting him you will love him you will keep yourself for him you will die for him, you will do everything for him. The more that revelation, that revelation burns up in your heart, the more you want to keep yourself for him. So it cures a, a, a purifies us. is a hope that causes us to purify ourselves. That's what he says. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Hallelujah. Then this this hope also heals us. Wow this hope also heals us. Romans chapter 8 verse 23 to verse 24. Romans 8 23, 24. The Bible says and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grow within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wait the redemption of our body. Since we are waiting for the redemption of our body. Then he goes on to say in verse 24 for we are saved by hope. We are saved by hope. I'll show you this on Sunday. You see, we are saved by hope. We are saved by hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guess what? The word saved there is the Greek sozo. And it means, apart from deliverance and all of that, it also means healing. So our bodies are healed as a result of us concentrating on the coming of the Lord. The more we concentrate on the Lord and His coming, the more our bodies, it does something to our body, it heals our body. Because, you know, inside that hope is the redemption of this body of humiliation. So you can have a foretaste of that hope that you have. It says, for we are saved by hope. So this particular hope saves us, it heals us as well. Hallelujah. Wow. Then this, this hope also affects your work for him. The more you concentrate on Christ's coming, the more you'd want to work for him and live for him. In Luke chapter 12, verse 37, Luke twelve thirty seven. 37. You see it there. Luke twelve thirty seven. 37. He says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall get himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. Isn't it? Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. He's talking about working for the Lord, living for the Lord. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, you see a similar thing there. I quoted that that was the first scripture I mentioned on, on Sunday. It says, Behold, he cometh, isn't it? And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work, according as his work shall be. Behold, my, I, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. He's coming with rewards, he is coming with rewards. To give every man according to according as his work shall be. So the more you think about his coming, the more you want to work for him. Oh. And the more you want to do what he wants you to do. Because you know that as he comes, he's going to bring you your reward. As he comes, he's going to bring your reward. His reward is better. And you see, the Lord rewards us for every single thing. Yeah, so even in Matthew, Matthew 10, verse 42, you know, we, we get to see this. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water? Only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you. He shall in no wise lose his reward. Even something as small as giving a cup of cold water to somebody. You get a reward for it. There are so many rewards. Every single thing you do for him. All those who are taking their video and doing all the things. The Tenka guys. All the live stream. All the things that they are doing. Just so that you can you can enjoy the service. They are going to get their rewards. Wow. Yeah. Nobody can pay you. Only Jesus can. He says he's coming with his rewards. Can you imagine? He's coming for us with his rewards. Because... Actually, as soon as he picks us up, as soon as we are raptured, we are raptured into the judgment seat of Christ, into the beamer seat of Christ, which is a place for rewards, to give you rewards for all the things that you did for him. Walking to church, he will give you a reward. Every single thing you do, cleaning the chairs, smiling as an usher to somebody so you be comfortable, you'll get a reward. Sharing the gospel with somebody out there, you'll get a, he'll give you rewards, plenty of rewards for so many things. So the more you think about his coming, the more you are stimulated to work for him hallelujah. hallelujah praise the lord so these are things that this hope you know stirs up in you today it stirs up in you the ability to relax and rest irrespective of what's going on around you it gives you the ability to have healing in your body no matter what is going on in your body it also helps you purify yourself then it helps you to work for him hallelujah what a joy Praise the Lord. So we must always be thinking about the Lord's coming. You know, we must always be thinking about the Lord's coming. Because it is good for us. He's not coming to destroy us. Remember, I quoted to you in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. From verse 3 all the way to verse 10. He's not coming to destroy us. He's coming to destroy them. But for us, He's coming to be glorified in us. And that is what we should be expecting. Hallelujah. So I want us to continue with today's message. <laughs> Today's message. I have some few things to share with you. It's a lot, but then I'll try and shorten it so that on Sunday we continue. Wherever we get to, I'll bring it to an end so that we can continue on Sunday. Today's Wednesday, so we don't have to talk too much. Hallelujah. So today I want to share with you uh, on marriage. Marriage. <laughs> marriage. Someone is wondering what I'm talking about. So marriage, then you can put a colon. The actual reason for Jesus's private second coming marriage is the actual reason for Jesus's you know private second coming he's coming for us for the purpose of marriage hallelujah sometimes people people ask questions why am I existing what why are we what are we here for are we here to eat and drink and grow and die are we here to marry have children buy houses buy cars even notice after all is said and done all of that doesn't make any sense People have built things, people have done things and have left died and left them. You see. Kingdoms have come and, and gone. We've had the Grecian Empire, the the Roman Empire, the Babylonian Empire. Who thought they were they were it? Today we can't even find relics of their existence. <laughs> you see. The British Empire, all kinds of empires, the Mongolian Empire, you know, all these empires. Have come and gone. What is man, what is the reason for man's existence? It's, it's a mystery. It's called the mystery of existence, the mystery of existence, the mystery of man's existence. Why am I existing? Why am I? Why are we here? Isaiah chapter fifty-four, from verse four to verse five, gives us answers. Isaiah fifty-four four It says, "Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed; neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame." For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. Verse 5. For thy Maker is thy husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. For thy Maker is thine husband. So we are actually made to marry God. Just our Maker is our husband. Can you imagine? So we are existing. For the purpose of marriage. Are you surprised? That is why we are here. That is why we are here. We are here to marry the Lord. We are born to marry the Lord. We exist for him. A bride is not sufficient in herself. A bride finds a sufficiency in her husband. Her completion is in her husband not in herself. That is why humanity no matter how many times how much people try to fill the emptiness they feel in themselves with entertainment, with drugs, with booze, with women, with all kinds of things, they are still not satisfied. We've had people actors in Hollywood who have had all of all all that life could give and still were not happy. Some have killed themselves. There was this actor who was into comedy. He makes people laugh. Yet he killed him. He he ended his own life. He was not happy. And he wrote a letter that he was not happy. How come someone who makes people laugh is not happy? How come you are not happy? Because humanity's actual satisfaction and reason for existence is in the Lord. That is why when you get born again and the Lord comes into your life, you begin to become satisfied in life. Do you see? Our satisfaction... Is in our Lord hallelujah. hallelujah so God's plan for the ages and Christ's coming is best understood through the Jewish marriage okay and um, all the people who wrote the Bible all the authors of the book of the books of the Bible were Jews apart from just one person all of them were 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 Jews and the Jewish culture was used by God to explain what we are existing for and how uh we are going to be married to him. So he uses the, the Jewish marriage, marriage setting as an example for the reason for existence and for his second coming as well. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming uh, 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 for us primarily because of marriage. He's coming for us for the marriage of the lamb. Then after the marriage of the lamb there will be the marriage supper of the lamb. After the marriage supper of the lamb there will be the honeymoon with him on here on earth which is are uh, coming with him. That's the second public coming with him. We'll come with him. You see, the first one, he comes for his own. Then the second one, he comes with his own. We come to come and judge and rule. Our honeymoon is not in bed. Our honeymoon is war and ruling on earth. Hallelujah. And that's, that's it. That's so, that, this is basically what we're existing. We're existing for the purpose of marriage. We're existing for our Lord to marry us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amazingly. The Bible opens, even the, even the Bible lets us know, the Bible opens because marriage is very, marriage is very, very important to God. Yeah. So the Bible opens with marriage. The beginning of time, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is the beginning of time. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is the beginning of time. We all know that. That's when God created the heavens and the earth yeah. and created Adam and Eve and all of that. Do you see? It starts with marriage. So in Genesis chapter 2 from verse, from verse 18. We see, the Bible says, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Hallelujah. I will make him and help meet for him. Then if you go on, you see it. It says, and out, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle. And to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meat for him. There was no help. God was trying to find a help for, for him, but he was not finding any in the animals. So he said that I'll, I know what to do. So he, the Bible says, and the Lord God caused a, a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Next verse, and the rib which the lord god had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man wow man was made from dust that's why we are dirty like that men are dirty wow. generally speaking men don't like bathing have you noticed <laughs> you don't like because we are from we are straight from the dust but from, women are made from a finished product wow. women came from the rib of a man so they are neater. Wow. they are nicer they are softer wow. women are special hallelujah wow. <laughs> Boys are too dirty. It's, it's amazing. It's unfortunate. It's, it's not your fault. You are from the dust. Hallelujah. You don't like buffing. Of course, to every rule there's an exception. There are ladies who don't like buffing as well. We are aware. We are aware. That's one too. We are aware. Hallelujah. <laughs> Already we know. You know. So God took the woman out of the man's ribs, and formed. she's called woman out of the womb of man, or the man who has womb. So, women have womb. Hallelujah. Next verse, verse, verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You see, the woman came out of the man's ribs. How did Adam get Eve? Adam got Eve asleep whilst he was asleep. He slept for the woman to come. How did Christ obtain the church? Christ obtained the church by dying, which is a form of sleep. I told you the last time that there are three expressions for sleep. Death is one of them. Do you see? So Christ also had to die. And when Christ died, the bride came out of him. Hallelujah. The same thing. Yeah, he, his side was pierced. The church came out of his side, out of his side like that. Verse, verse, um, verse 24. This therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So we see the, the, the beginning of time opening up with marriage. You see, then in Revelation chapter 21, which is the beginning of eternity, the closing of one age and the beginning of eternity, we see, and Revelation 21 is actually a a beginning of newness. So he says, He begins by saying that, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Then, verse 2 says, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So this is the beginning of eternity. And we see a bride adorned for her husband. Can you imagine? Yeah. Now, if you jump to verse, verse 9, Romans 21, verse 9, you see this says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Wow. And he showed him the new Jerusalem. Next verse, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city. That great city. The holy Jerusalem. Descending out of heaven from God. The Lamb's bride is the new Jerusalem, which is you and I. So, we see marriage is very important to God. Because it is an expression of all what he, all, all his plans for the ages. Wow. Hallelujah. Yeah. So the the mystery of existence is solved in marriage. It's solved in... I'm not saying your marriage to your husband or your wife. I'm talking about marriage to the Lord. That is why we're existing. We're existing because we are here to be married to our Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you like what I'm sharing with you. Yeah. So, there are so many things that are expressed in the Bible concerning marriage. Like I was saying, all the, the, the authors of the Bible, apart from one person... Were Jews, almost all of them were Jews, and God used the Jewish marriage setting to explain um, purpose for us and explain why Christ came and why He will come again. So I want to use that to help you understand the rapture, the the, the great tribulation, the um, new Jerusalem, and all those things. So I'm going to talk about all these things for the next three weeks. To help you understand all the various stages. All the various stages that we go through. Hallelujah. So I want to show you the stages of the Jewish marriage. And its relation to what Christ came to do. Why Christ came. What he came to do. And why he's going to come again. And what we are we are for in the midst of all of that. <laughs> I don't know if you are interested. So stages of the Jewish marriage. Number one. The number one stage is that. The man goes out. The man who is looking for a bride goes out for a bride search. He goes out for a bride search. Now, if you've noticed, we, we mentioned in, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 20, uh, and 24, let's read from verse 23. He says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. It shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Then verse 24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. So the marriage, the marriage begins with a search. With a search, hallelujah, the man leaves his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So the first thing that happens is that, the first thing that happens in Jewish marriage settings is that the groom, the groom-to-be goes in search of a bride. And sometimes they can cross rivers, cross hills and cross mountains. Because, you see, the distances in Israel was was not short distances. And they were walking throughout. There were mountains and hills and all of that. They cross mountains, cross deserts. There were deserts in there. They cross deserts, cross rivers, and cross all kinds of things. to find Just to find a, a beloved. What? Well, I tell you. It's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus, who existed as the word in heaven, left time, he crossed time and space <laughs> to come and come and look for a bride on earth. So in yeah, right here on earth in john chapter 1 verse 1 the bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning mm? the same was in the beginning with god next verse and all all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made this was this is the word jesus the, there was nobody in heaven called jesus before he was incarnated in, in in bethlehem on that day there was nobody called jesus like in heaven he was called the word so the word crossed time and space just so that he can come and find a bride. So in verse 14, the Bible says that and the word became flesh. The word became, he had to change his form and everything all because he was looking for a bride. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He crossed time, space, crossed oceans, crossed all kinds of things so that he can come and come and look for a bride. Wow! I don't know if you are seeing how special you are. If you're a member of the, I, I began with that the last time. Yeah. If you're a member of the body of Christ, we are bona fide members of the body of Christ and hence mm. the bride of the Lord. So if you're reading Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, I read it to you the last time Ephesians 5, 31 to 32. Ephesians 5, 31, it says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. I thought you just read this in Genesis chapter 2. Yeah. The same thing is written in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31. He says for this, this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Verse 32. Then it says this particular thing is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. In other words, Christ left his abode. He left where he was and crossed to come and find the church. Do you think he will let you go after he has found you? He will not let you go after he has found you. Uh, For why? Why did look look at what the Bible says? Bible says that Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field, and for the sake of that treasure, he sold all his possessions and bought that particular field, so that he can have that treasure. That's how important you are. He sold everything he had to buy the treasure, the land that has the treasure in there. Hallelujah! If you read in First Timothy, First Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen. He says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He is God. Though. And he, he, he moved away from his godness, his godhood to become a man. Jesus is God's perfect man. And he's man's perfect God. <laughs> <laughs> in Philippians chapter 2, look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. It says, Let this man be in you which was also in Christ. Jesus. Next verse, verse, verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. For what purpose? So that he can marry. So that he can marry. Because of you and I, we are all brides. Whether you are a man or you are a woman, we are male, we are male brides and female brides. Just as in Christ, there's neither male nor female. That's how it is. Just as in Christ, there's 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 the, we don't have daughters of God everywhere you find, you go in the scriptures you see son of god we are male sons and female sons in the same light we are male brides and female brides we are all made for jesus christ and he crossed the oceans crossed everything he took the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men so that he can he can have you and me wow what a shock is that not a shock yeah charlie think of yourself differently you are very special to the lord okay can you imagine? He crossed all these things just so that he can find us. And that's what the bride, the, the groom of old, the groom of the, the Jewish groom would do. He would cross rivers, searching for a bride. Searching for a bride. He would go to all kinds of places, searching for a bride. He may go to the place where nobody would want to go. But he would go there. Just looking for a bride. Jesus went to hell to pay. That's the next thing that happens. You have to pay for the bride. We'll get there very soon. So, the Lord was so obsessed with finding a bride that even before he found the bride, he got himself his best man and got himself his groom's men. <laughs> even before finding a bride, his best man, he made his best man ready. And he made his groom his his groom's men ready. You know how some of us can be that most of the ladies dream about their wedding twenty years before they get married, sometimes fifteen years before they can be looking at things and you know, finding things. Someone has wedding song before. He doesn't have a beloved yet. You are in the shoes of the Lord. Wow. Even before the Lord found his bride, he had started preparing. Wow. Okay, let me show it to you. I'm sure you are wondering. Look at John chapter 3 verse 26. I'm showing you the, the, the best man right now. John chapter 3 verse 26. He says, And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizer, and all men come to him. This is John the Baptist. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from above, from heaven. Next verse. He says, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Next verse. He that has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. John the Baptist called himself the friend of the bridegroom. Who is the best man? That's how they used to call them. That's the best man. The friend of the bridegroom is the best man. Even today that's how it is. Your best friend is the one who becomes your bridegroom. Isn't it? Your, your best man. Hallelujah. So John said I am the, I am the friend of the bridegroom. And this is my joy. I rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy is fulfilled. Because I hear, I hear him inside. He's enjoying himself and I'm happy. Wow! wow. So John the Baptist, who introduced Jesus? Was Jesus' best man? Wow. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> message. Message version of this, verse 29. The Lord was so desperate for you and I. Wow. He says, the, one who gets the, bride is, the one who gets the bride is, by definition, the bridegroom. And the, bride, the bridegroom's friend, his best man, that's me, in place of his side, where he can hear every word, is genuinely happy. How could he be jealous when he knows that the wedding is finished and the marriage is off to a good start? Wow. That's, why, that's why my cup is running over. I am full of joy because he's, I'm the best man and I'm happy that his marriage is starting on a good note. Wow! that was Jesus' best man <laughs> even before he found he got the, the marriage done. what a shock then his best man, let me show his best man Matthew chapter 9 his, uh, his groomsmen, Matthew chapter 9 from verse 14 to verse 15 then came to him the disciples of John saying why do we and the Pharisees fast often but your disciples fast not the disciples were eating every time next verse and Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn? As long as the bridegroom is with them, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them. And then shall they first. The children of the bride chamber are the groomsmen. So all the twelve disciples, Jesus had twelve groomsmen. Yeah, you have to find twelve groomsmen for yourself. <laughs> See if you can suit the address for them. <laughs> Let's read the, the message. I'm sure the message will say directly. Jesus told them, when you are celebrating a wedding, you don't skimp on the cake and wine. You feast. Later, you may need to pull in your belt. But now, not now. No one throws cold water on a friendly bonfire. This is kingdom. This is kingdom come. He didn't, he didn't mention the bride chamber. The children of the bride chamber. The children of the bride chamber are actually the groomsmen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the groomsmen were the disciples. Do you see? So God, Jesus was so interested that he set off to look for a bride. He set off to look for a bride. The Lord was so desperate for his marriage and he prepared his best man and groomsman before getting his bride even. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's go on to uh, point two, right? Yeah. The second stage. I've showed you the first stage. Yeah. The second stage is called the Kidashin. The kidashin. Kiddashin. K I D D A S H I N the kiddushin, or the, sometimes it's spelled Kiddushin, K-I-D-D-U-S-H-I-N, the Kiddushin, or the Betrothal, it's also known as the Betrothal. Okay, the Betrothal, that's a Betrothal before the actual wedding day. Hallelujah. I'm, to, I'm, I'm sharing with you stages of Jewish marriage, oh. and let's, just trying to help you to just making us use that to understand all of what Jesus came to do and why He's going to come again. hallelujah. hallelujah. It's very, very nice. I'm sure you enjoyed as we go on. So the Kidashian is the, is the second stage, which is the betrothal. After he has found he has been pointed that this is the bride I want, he goes to tell his father, and he comes with his father to come and come and betroth that particular lady. Have you seen it? Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is synonymous with Christ's first coming or advent. For God so loved the world, that is why He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. He gave Him. So He came with His Father. Jesus said that what I do, I do not do of my own. My Father, which is in me, He doeth the works. Isn't it? He said, Jesus always gave cred- credence to His Father who had sent Him. All the time. Read the book of John. You'd be surprised at how many references are, are directly towards the Father sending Jesus. Hallelujah. So Jesus came with His Father. And there are various steps in the Kedashian as well. Okay? The second stage has various stages. It has various stages. Now, the very first stage of the, the kidashin is that the man pays the bridal price when he finds his bride and makes a covenant with her. He pays the bridal price when he finds you know the bride price, right? The bride price the bride up is the same thing. So the, man, so the man pays it. He pays the bridal price when he finds his bride and makes a covenant with her. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus paid the bridal price for us with his life he paid with his life wow Matthew chapter 20 verse 27 to 28 i said i'm special say i'm special i'm, special. I'm sharing all these things to, to see to help you not be afraid you are too afraid there are too many people who are afraid why are you afraid you don't even know where you are where are you you don't know where you started off from charlie someone someone came all the way looking for you yeah. Now that he has found you, you, will you let your wife go easily like that? No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. Matthew 20, 27 says, And whosoever will be, will be the chief among you, let him be your servant. Verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. He, he came to give his life for payment. Hmm? For payment. His life was for payment for many. So what was the bride price? It was his own life. His own life. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He loved us so much, he gave himself for us. What is your problem? (laughs) Go back to Philippians chapter 2, verse verse 5, where we were reading uh, earlier on. It says, Let this man be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not worthy to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Then he says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is what Jesus paid. He paid with his life. That was the bridal price. That is how expensive you and I are. We are so expensive that it took blood for us to be bought. It took God's blood to buy us. So in In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, there are so many scriptures I can quote along this line, but it's not my message for today. I'm just passing through. It says, in whom, in Christ we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. The word redemption there is buying back. He paid. Jesus paid. His blood was a ransom. His life was a ransom. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He paid. Say he paid. paid. With With his life. That was a bright price. That was our price. That was our price. So you are worth as much as Jesus' blood. You are too special. You are too important. Never go around thinking that you are nothing. I don't know what I'll do with my life. I don't know if God even likes me. Brother, sister, he died for you. He paid for you. Wow. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Then he says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He gave himself a ransom for all. He gave himself a ransom. He paid. He paid. One musician said, he paid the debt that he did not owe. (laughs) I owed the debt I could not pay. Wow. He came to pay. And that payment was the payment that was needed to take us from our father's house. Do you know who our father was? Satan. Satan. (laughs) Jesus said, you are of your father the devil. Jesus needed to pay so that you can be taken away. And he paid the ransom price so that you can be. It's called the bride price as well. So that you can be taken away from the bondage of sin. And from the bondage of Satan. That's why he says that he has delivered us from, you you see it in the Bible, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, let's read verse 12, 13. He says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us to be be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, then he says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He took us from the power of darkness. He paid so that we can be taken away. I shared, I shared this on. I shared redemption concerning redemption, redemption in uh, vocabulary salvation extensively. I think you should get it so that you know how much Jesus paid for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So that's the second stage. Okay, the man, the man what pays a bider price when he finds his bride, then he says he makes a covenant with her. After he has paid the bider price, the next thing is that he makes a covenant. Guess what? Matthew chapter chapter twenty says verse twenty seven. Jesus made a new covenant through his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension between you and I. He says, and he took the cup, Matthew 26, 27, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it. For this my this is my blood for of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So after you've paid the price, you must also give... Create a new... That's, that's, marriage is covenant. There are things that marriage represents. Marriage is a covenant. It's a contract. It's a commitment. It's a union. There are several aspects of marriage. And one of the major aspects is that marriage is a covenant. Okay? It's a covenant. And a covenant, what a covenant means is that all that belongs to me belongs to you. And all that belongs to you belongs to me. That's what the Bible says in, Re, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. That we are joint-heirs together with Christ. He made a covenant with us. So that we can be joint heirs with him. It says, and if children, Romans 8:17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Have you seen it? Joint heirs with Christ. Now what he what he what belongs to him now belongs to us. And what belongs to us now belongs to him. We are, we are in a covenant. And he says he ratified that covenant in his own blood. It's called the New Covenant, the New Testament covenant. You can find some in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 8. I don't want to go into all of those things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the next thing he does in the Kidashin, which is the betrothal, so this is the day of the betrothal. The day of the betrothal, he gives the bride price, and Jesus gave his life for the bride price. Then he ratifies a covenant between the two of, of the two of them. Jesus covenanted between the two of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the next thing he does is that the man who is now the groom gives the woman who is now the bride because of the covenant, we are now bride and groom. The man who, now, who, who is now the groom gives the woman who is now the bride a ring, an engagement ring to seal her. Okay? To seal her, okay? Or to secure her as his own. I mean, my ring shows that I'm, I belong to somebody. <laughs> That's what the rings are for. When, you, when they put a ring on your finger, it's a seal. So, he gives her a ring to seal her and also to ward off other men. I you it? To seal her, first of all, and also to ward off other men. Hallelujah. Amen. Guess what? Before Jesus left, what did he do? He said that, I will not leave you comfortless. John chapter 14, verse 16. Says, and i'll pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever next verse verse 17 even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because he seeth him not neither knoweth him but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you he shall be in you next verse then he says i will not leave you comfortless I will come to you how did jesus come back to us he came back to us through the holy Spirit do you see so before the man leaves, he gives you an engagement ring. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is the seal and the engagement ring. That shows that you belong to Jesus Christ. So immediately you become born again. The Holy Spirit comes. He says, he is with you and he shall be in you. As soon as you get born again, he comes unto you. For what purpose? To seal your life. To let everybody know that you are owned by somebody. You have been betrothed to somebody. You are secure to somebody. You are private. You are for someone privately. <laughs> you are not available any longer you are off the market <laughs> so look at ephesians chapter the holy spirit is the seal of ownership of jesus christ for us okay ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 to verse 14 it says in whom in christ he also trusted after that he heard the word of truth which is the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed, after that you believed in Jesus Christ, he says you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The word sealed there is stamp. It means stamp. Do you see? If I stamp, if we, for instance, the, the, the pulpit has the embossment of the church, yeah. it has been stamped by the church. Yeah. Do you see? What it means is that this is a property to, of the church. So the seal represents ownership. Who, who owns you? So spiritually speaking, we are owned by Jesus Christ. Everybody knows it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> we are not easy. Tell about We are not easy at all. <laughs> you are sealed. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, a, is a seal that God has given to us, that Jesus has given to us. He left us with that ring. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as our engagement ring. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that say the same thing. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 22. He says, who also has sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He sealed us. Sealed us with who? Sealed us with the Holy Spirit and given the earnest of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Okay, go go back. Let me explain two things at the same time. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read verse. We, we just read verse 13, isn't it? Okay, let me read it again into 14. It says, in whom you also trusted after that he had, after he had after that you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Next verse. Then it says, Which is the Holy Spirit is the earnest of my inheritance unto the redemption, until the redemption of the purchase possession, unto the praise of his glory. Now, what does this mean? Apart from the Holy Spirit being a seal, which is the uh, which is the, the show that you are owned by somebody, he's also the engagement ring, like I said. The word earnest there is the is from the Greek word Arabon. A-R-R-H-A-B-O-N, with the dash on the O, okay? And it means engagement ring. First of all, it means a pledge. A pledge that is paid with the mindset that the full payment will be made in some time. An assurance. It's a pledge that is paid to assure you of your full inheritance. So it says that the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. He's the down payment of our inheritance. Until the redemption of the purchased possession, the redemption he's talking about is the redemption of our body the hope of the church yeah. He says because the Holy Spirit will have the Holy Spirit now today We are sure the Holy Spirit is a down payment of the surety of the fact that we shall be redeemed on that day yeah. Our body so if you don't have the Holy Spirit Then you don't know what we are. We, we, you are not part of what we are talking about yeah. But if you are born the way to have the Holy Spirit to so be born again. born again when you are born again the Holy Spirit comes into your life That's the truth yeah. and he's the part payment Confirming the full payment's coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. So there's nothing to be afraid of. So long as you have the Holy Spirit, you should know. The Holy Spirit is the magnet in you that will be attracted to Jesus Christ. On that day when he appears in heaven. I don't know why you're afraid. (laughs) So go back to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22 we're reading. So the same thing is said there. It says that the Holy Spirit is, is... is our seal, who, who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Have you seen it? Yes. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Look at Ephesians 4, 30. Oh, do you like the Bible? I mean, I intentionally quote a lot of scriptures so that the Bible can speak for itself. I don't want to be saying things without showing you the word. I just want to see in the Bible yourself. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed, unto the day of redemption which day of redemption is that that day when the lord shows up wow and give not the holy spirit of god whereby you are sealed whereby you are sealed you are stamped sister you are stamped i tell you you are stamped there's someone there's an owner haven't you read he says that. He says that, knowing not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, then he says, You are not of your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. You are not your own. You don't own yourself. Wow. We don't own ourselves. We are owned by Jesus Christ. And the show that we are owned by Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. The ring that shows that we belong to somebody else. And so nobody should touch us. The devil cannot touch you. Why? Because you are sinned. If, if I'm sending something to. Uh, somebody else, and I put in an envelope and I put a stamp and I write my name behind it. You know, those times they, they didn't, they, there were no stamps like that the stamps that we have today. They used to have an embossment, yeah. so they should pour ink somewhere and then they will emboss it. Yeah. And when it is embossed, it is sealed. It means that until it gets to the, the one it is supposed to get to, nobody should open it. Yeah. That connotes the idea of privacy. It is private, yeah. it is secured for somebody. We are secured. We are privately owned by Jesus Christ. Wow. wow! I'm blessed. Yeah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. <laughs> well, so many scriptures. Second Corinthians five five. Second Corinthians five five. Look at it. it. Says now he that has wrought for the he that now he that has wrought us for the self same thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. So, you can read it the ring of the Spirit, or the down payment of the Spirit, or the pledge of the Spirit, or the seal of the Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Put them. You're saved. Hallelujah. Saved. Yeah, Romans chapter 8. It's, there are so many. You know, since the one who does not have the Spirit of Christ is none of his. Yeah. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 10. Look at Romans 8, 10. Let's read 8, 9, rather. Sorry. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is, this is new creation. When you become a new creature, the Holy, Jesus Christ comes with you by the just by the of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Because you, 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 are, you have the Spirit of Christ, you are his. Because you have the Holy Spirit, you are his. It's a show that you are his. You are his property. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord! I don't know if you are seeing it. Yeah, this is a legal tie. We are now legally tied to the Lord. We have, we are God. We are Jesus' affianced bride, or we are His fia- We are, we are His betrothed bride. We are His fiancée with his ring. We have done the engagement that the engagement has happened already. We are just preparing for the main event, which is the wedding. Uh, yeah, we are the bride already because of His death, burial, and resurrection. Because He's paid. The day He pays. And makes a covenant. It's finished. There's nothing else to talk about. He has sealed you. And then he gives you his ring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's for the purpose of warding off Satan. It's to ward off Satan that, hey, back off. Back off. He, she belongs to me. He belongs to me. So the devil cannot do anything about it. Christ is, a, you see, the Bible says God is, God is a jealous God. God is not jealous of us. It's human beings who are jealous of each other. That's why the Bible says, do not, do not, uh, do not jealous. You it? Yeah. But God is jealous for us. God is different. Jealous of, jealousy of somebody is different from jealous, jealous for somebody. He's jealous on our behalf. He's jealous because he knows what we are. He knows who we are. He knows how important we are. So he doesn't want, it's like, it's like every husband. Every husband is jealous for their, for their wife. Yeah. You don't want anybody to touch... Hey, you want somebody to touch your wife? No, 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 no. You can't touch my wife like that. You'll be surprised that you will fight in a certain way. Yeah, because this is my wife. This is mine. What do you mean by touching her like that? That's the same thing when it comes to God. God is jealous. He, you are God's desire. You are his utmost desire. You are God's heritage. You are the center of the centers of his attraction. Can you imagine? That's how important we are as children of God. Though. We are too important to him. He is so jealous. The Bible says that he he's, he's watchful for us. He cares for us watchfully, affectionately, and watchfully. Yeah, that's how important you are to the Lord. So stop looking at yourself like you are nothing. You are his affianced bride for crying out loud. God lapsed you into details, into pieces. And he's jealous for you. He's ready to protect you at all costs. So in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, Paul said that. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. It's called godly jealousy. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Why? For I have espoused you to one husband. Who is that? Jesus Christ. So that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Then verse 3 says, But I fear lest by any means as a serpent be beguiled through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He says, I want you to enjoy the Lord so much so that you don't go into all kinds of things. Because there are Christians who end up going to all kinds of things. He says, I don't want you to go into I'm jealous for you. I like you. You are mine and I'm yours. Let's enjoy ourselves. Stop looking at the, the devil and his things. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he, he does all these things to ward off Satan and let Satan know that this one is mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the third thing that he does in the Kidashin during the betrothal marriage, the betrothal. Is that the groom? After he has, the first thing he does is what? Bride. He pays a bridal price, isn't it? That is in the Kidashin. But before the Kidashin, he comes, crosses rivers and all of that to come, searches for the bride. Then, when he's found the bride, he brings the father and then they start doing the deal. Yeah. The first thing they do is that they pay the bride, he pays a bridal price, yeah. and then he ratifies a covenant with it. He makes a covenant with the lady that, listen, I'm yours in your mind. Then, after he has done that, he gives what? He gives the engagement ring to secure the bride that you are mine and I am yours. To let her know that you are, uh, you, I own you now. <laughs> then the third thing he does is that he makes a promise of his sure return for the actual wedding. He makes a promise of his sure return. He cornered the lady and said, "That listen, I'll be back. Because he'll be going back to his father's house to go and make further preparations and come back for his bride. So Jesus said in John chapter 14. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Do you want to see it? John chapter 14. Let's read from verse 5. John 14 to you, Jesus said, In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. Next verse. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's promising. And uh, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't it? it says, I'm going to go and prepare a place. I'll come back for you. I'll come back for you. It's making the promise. Now, one of the things that the groom does is that the groom makes the promise, not knowing the exact date and time that he's going to return. Only the groom's father knows when they'll be coming back for the wedding. So Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 13, verse 32, Mark 13 32. It says, but of the day, of that day and that hour, knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Have you seen it? Yeah. Now, was Jesus saying that he doesn't, he's not, because if Jesus says he doesn't know when he's going to come back, then it means that he's not God. But God is all knowing. This was not a reduction of his deity in any way. It was just a marital term he was using, because this is what every Jewish groom. Promises to his, to his betrothed wife because actually the groom does not know when he, when they are going to come. It's a mighty term. It's a matter only the father knows, Have you seen it? So he said that that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the son, but the father. Hallelujah. So Jesus also used the same term, just so that we we'll know that here yeah, we are marrying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it a blessing? Yeah. yeah. This was not a name of Jesus dating. He was only using marital time, So he makes that promise that I'll be back because I've given you the wedding ring, which is my Holy Spirit. I'm going to be back. The Holy Spirit is a pledge that I'm going to come and give you the full inheritance that you need. So he makes that promise. Okay? Hallelujah. Are you learning anything at all? Do you want... I, I think we should go on for some small time and then we'll close. The next thing is that the groom goes back to his father's house. Okay? So after the the... Kidashin, okay, the last stage is that he goes back to his father's house. All that is part of the marriage. And when he goes back to to his father's house, as soon as he gets to his father's house, he sends a gift to his bride. He sends a gift to his bride. And normally the gift is jewelry, money, everything the bride needs for her life. Because now you are married. So probably if you are living in a in a madhouse. Okay, and your groom, your new groom now is a billionaire should he leave you in that mad house until the day he comes to pick you up no, he sends a gift for your upgrade so he will get you a 5 bedroom house and fills the 5 bedroom house with beds and everything and everything that you require all the money you need for your security till the day he comes he will send you a major gift he will send you gold, silver, precious so he will send you all the things that you require for your present life, for your present life, and also to prepare you for your grooming and your decoration for that day. Guess what the what Jesus did when he left. When Jesus went up to heaven, what did he do? He the first thing he did was that he allowed his spirit, his precious Holy Spirit, to be poured upon all flesh. Oh, I don't know if you can understand what I'm trying to say. So the, it's called the gift of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and that particular gift is called the matan, the, the 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 gift that the the Jewish groom was sent to his Jewish bride was called the matan, M-A-T-T-A-N, and every Jew understands the matan because it's a commonly used word amongst them. The day that Moses came down from the from from Sinai Mount Sinai with the law, okay. It was exactly 50 days after they had left Egypt. And that day is the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is the 50th day after they came out of Egypt. Hallelujah. And Moses, God brought them the law on that day. So the law is referred to as the Matan by Jews. So he gave the law as a gift to them. Guess what? 50 days after Christ was Christ's death. Okay. He gave, the on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they, were, they appeared unto them, clothing tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Have you seen it? For instance, in Act. go back to chapter 1, verse 7. The disciples were asking about times. When are you going to come for us? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Go, go to verse 6. When they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Then he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own hand. Have you seen it? His own power. He's talking as though he doesn't know. But he knows. He's using my entire term. Next verse. Then he says, But you shall receive power after that, that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift that Jesus sends. For what purpose? For your enjoyment. For your, to move you from your madhouse into your five-bedroom house. To move you from your one cloth that you have had into having multiple clothing. To live on earth like he lives wherever he is. To live where you are now. Because now you are married to him. So for you to have the best of life, he sends you those gifts to help you decorate your life. To help you build your life. To help you go the way he wants you to go. To help you become rich as he is. To help you become what he is. Hallelujah. Because now we are, we are, we are bride and groom. So if I have 50 billion, I'll share it with you. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit that helped Jesus to live the supernatural life he lived while he was here on earth. And he sends us the same gift to help us live here on earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as you speak in tongues, ta- uh, no, so in your new birth, you get the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this, this experience is getting the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is speaking in tongues. I don't know if you get it. Is speaking in tongues an endowment of power to do whatever he's, he's asked you to do? To have a work, because without the Holy Spirit's activeness in your life, you can have, you can, at the new bed, you have the Holy Spirit, but you may not be active. Yeah. Because if we can't talk, yeah. the language of the Spirit is the spirit of the language. Yeah. It's the language of the Spirit. Yeah. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. Speaking in tongues is the language of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So at the new bed, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you, but then you can't hear Him. You can't can't understand. You can't talk back to Him the way you're supposed to. But the gift helps you to have a proper communication line with Him. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. Yeah. That is why He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For He that speaketh unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. So now you can start speaking to God in a very wonderful way. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is the administrator of everything spiritual. Everything God. Everything spiritual. Every Finances is administered by the Holy Spirit. Glory is administered by the Holy Spirit. Grace is administered by the Holy Spirit. Power is administered by the Holy Spirit. Everything you need. So at, when you receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, brother, and it is free of charge, you don't need to do anything for it. It's free because you are his bride now, so that's, it's yours. And he gives you that gift for the purpose of upgrading your life. That is why you need to speak in tongues. Paul said, I, sp- I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you. Why? Because as you speak in tongues, you are decorating your life. As you speak in tongues, you are building yourself up in the Holy Ghost. Jude 1 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. As you pray in the Holy Ghost, what are you doing? You are decorating your life. You are building your life. He says, you are constructing your life. He says, make progress. Make progress. That's what the, King, the amplifier says, Jude one twenty. But you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. Make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost is what causes you to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost. That's what causes your spirit to have expression. So in First Corinthians chapter fourteen verse four, Paul said if i pray in an unknown tongue my spirit by the holy spirit within me praise the way your spirit can have expression and be able to talk to the holy spirit and be able to talk to god is through speaking in tongues and like i said it is for the purpose of bringing heaven on earth to you it's for the purpose of having you enjoy all the good life that god has designed for you because you are now married to him But there are a lot of Christians who are not enjoying it because they they don't know about it. Or they just talk small. They speak in tongues small a day. And then they are done. No, you should speak in tongues an hour a day. You should should stir up the gift of God inside you. Because that is what will cause you to enjoy life. There's no way you can enjoy life without the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. It's not possible. The gift of speaking in tongues is what endues you with power. It's what causes you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled... It sharpens your spirit for your spirit to be able to communicate with the Holy Spirit more, and for you to have fruitfulness. I've been born again. I got born again at least two years before I received the Holy Spirit. I know how my life was then, and I know how my life became when I received the Holy. When I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. It's not the same. It's two different things altogether. First Corinthians fourteen four. He says that he that speaks on his own tongue edifies himself. He builds himself up. Adabashin says he charges himself up like a battery. He improves himself. You, will not Im- you cannot improve your life without speaking in tongues. It's not possible. This is the gift of God to you. I don't know why you will not speak in tongues. I don't know why you will not use it. Because this, they've given you their gifts. Now use it to decorate yourself you don't like. Use it to enrich your life you don't like. Use it to progress in life you don't like. Ah, brother, sister, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's a free gift. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that scientists found there was, there was a, a, a research, you can search for it on the internet, you know, done in Robert, Robert University, yeah. where they, they allowed somebody to speak in tongues with um, um, this machine for checking the brain. I've forgotten the name. MRI was connected to the head. And there's this aspect of the brain. I think the right hemisphere, or so, which is dormant according to science, it doesn't have any function. They don't know their function because they don't see its function. They study, they study, they don't know their function. So they connected this MRI. You know, they put him in the MRI and he was speaking in tongues. And as he spoke in tongues, that particular aspect of the brain that was was not known to have any function produced two secretions that was released into the body and caused the body's immune system to be boosted by 35% to 40%. Hmm. Thirty-five. You can check it. I'm not lying to you. It's it's online. 35% to 40%. Boosting of the immune system. Can you imagine that? God is so wise that what scientists cannot find, he's put reasons for it already. As you speak in tongues like that, this secretion that's why it says I have said that this is the refreshing. This is what will cause you to be refreshed in life, and this is what will cause you to do well in life. Yet they will not hear. They will not hear, brother. Speaking tongues, oh. every day speak in tongues, at least an hour, speak in tongues, cola, reba shalaba on your own, speak in tongues, before you move out of your of your house. speaking tongues, speak in tongues, speak in tongues, speak in tongues because things are going to be secreted into your body. It is is the means of building you up spiritually, building you up physically, building you up health-wise, building you up financially, building you up in every aspect of your life. Because as you speak in tongues, you see the Holy Spirit talking to you. The Holy Spirit will show you visions. He will show you visions. You know what? I'm I'm seeing the studio right now. This is limited vision. Your eyes are limited. They can't see much. They can't see much. But when you zoom into the Spirit and start speaking in tongues... And imagine there was another research done in Pennsylvania, I think University of Pennsylvania, where they checked the frontal lobe that is responsible for our speech, our natural speech, while the person was speaking in tongues. And when the person was speaking in tongues, that particular aspect that is responsible for our normal natural speech was not working. I showed that when you speak in tongues, it is actually your spirit man that is, that is, is, is speaking, is praying. It has nothing to do with your natural reasoning, none of those things. Can you imagine? So it's direct from your spirit oh hallelujah so what are you going to do with your life my brother jesus is mine to you now he's going to come for you that one there's no problem with that he's going to come for you but he's giving you his spirit he's giving you the gift of a spirit for the purpose of making you a witness for the purpose of making you a better person for the purpose of decorating your life and making your life better here on earth and preparing you because you shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come unto you and you shall be witnesses he makes you a witness to be able to do what he has designed for you to do. And prepare. Getting rewards as you are supposed to. So that on that day when he comes, he can give you so many rewards. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. I don't know if you like what I'm trying to say to you. So I don't know why you are, why you are quiet. Don't be quiet. Don't be quiet. That's a gift. The matan that he has given to you and I. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he says that likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Oh, hallelujah. But the spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We are, inf- are infirmities. What's the infirmity? The infirmities that you don't know what you should pray for as you ought. You don't know what to pray for as you ought. Maybe you you, you think you are praying for your mother, it's good you pray for your mother. But the, the spirit knows. He says that and he who searcheth the heart knows the mind of the spirit. He knows and helps you pray according to the will of God. I mean, there's no better gift than this. The Holy Spirit takes together with you. He props us up and helps us in our infirmity. If there's a sickness in your body, He will help that sickness to be healed. If there's an infirmity not knowing exactly what sometimes you don't know, he will, he will improve your business. You don't know, probably if I, if I sell this particular thing, naturally speaking, that's what will work. But he will tell you, don't sell this one, sell this one. People have been rich here on earth. You are richest here on earth, remember. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, It says, For you know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be rich. Now how does that happen? Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But then there is a, a certain day, every bride, every Jewish bride is stolen to, her, to attend her own wedding. And that is a rapture. All Jewish brides are stolen to their wedding. We didn't plan my wife and I sat by and planned our wedding. And we fixed the date, 22nd December. But in in the Jewish culture, you and the groom do not sit down to to plan. You may be doing that the bride may be working in the garden. And the the groom's father and the groom will come with some bodyguards and will come and steal her from her own father's house to her wedding. And that is a rapture. That is, you've already they've done the covenant. You've been bought everything. Everything has happened already. So they just snatch you away, and that's what the rapture represents. So on Sunday, I'm going to start talking about that, and I know that you're going to be, you are going to be blessed, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Lift up your hands, are Father, thank you for blessing us with your word. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit, who has been given to us as a gift from above to help us live, to help us enjoy life, to help us have a glorious and wonderful time here on earth. Even as we wait for your coming. Thank you, Father, for this wisdom, for this knowledge that you have given to us. We will not joke with your Holy Spirit any longer. We will stay with your Holy Spirit. And not joke with the gift of speaking in tongues that you have given to us. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. I see you becoming fruitful more and more and more. Multiplying yet more and more. Increasing on every side. Prospering physically. Expanding physically. And preparing yourself actively for the Lord's coming. Amen. Jesus.